0: Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew 19. And when you find Matthew 19, uh, if you'll also mark Deuteronomy 6 and Psalm 78, we'll look at those passages Deuteronomy 6 and Psalm 78 during the message. So we're going to, we're just looking at three verses, but the subject matter brings up a lot of application, so we're going to spend a couple of Sundays in these three verses and um, ask, ask for the Lord's help for us. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And if you do not have a Bible, we have Bibles in our in our lobby here also in our overflow and we would love for you to pick up a copy today as our gift to you. If you're able, would you please stand in honor of the reading of this portion of scripture, Matthew 19 beginning in verse 13. And we're picking up here from our study through the Gospel of Matthew. So we stepped away for a uh, a couple of weeks. Now we're getting right back. We're picking up right where we left off. We finished up in 12, so we're picking up here in 13. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Thank you. Bringing our children to Jesus. Bringing our children to Jesus. Let's pray. Father we have we have hope today we have a certain hope today because of day 3 because of the resurrection and because of that hope and that assurance that we have of our faith in Christ our faith in your word, our faith in all that you have revealed to us through Christ and through your word. We know that we can come to you and we know that we can come to you as imperfect people, imperfect children. And as your children, you've you've given us children and you've called us to raise them in, in you and in your ways and and we confess lord we we fail at that times we 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 miserably neglect that calling at times and and we desire refreshing today and encouragement today instruction today that that we might be parents with a children's ministry in the home and for that to happen lord we 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 ask for your help lord your your help in our lives and our hearts and giving us the the desire and the will and the and the ways in which to parent in a in a godly christian gospel way We ask that You might nourish us today in Your Word and while we're speaking of children and speaking of parents, we know that Your your Spirit is alive and working and that You're going to be touching us and speaking to us in all varieties of applications and ways and the things that we're going to mention in a lot of ways, apply to all of us. So there's really something here for all of us and your word is alive and active. And so, Lord, this this day is not in vain. This time is not in vain for all of us who are gathered here. There's a word for us, a word of truth, a, a word of life, a word of salvation. So we cling to you and Again, we ask you, Father, that you might help us, that you might lead us, that you might save us, that you might forgive us, that you might fill us with your Spirit, your Word, a zeal for your glory. We confess that we're lacking in many ways, but we also confess you are sufficient in all of them. So we come to the fountain of living water. We come to you, we come to Christ, we come to the gospel, we come to your word, now help us drink, help us drink, in Christ's name, amen. If you recall, the larger context of Matthew 19, when you study, when you study through this chapter, Jesus really has addressed basically every member of the family unit. He taught on marriage and divorce that addresses the, the husband and, and wife, the father and mother. He, he taught on singles that addresses the adult children in the home. And today, the text regards children, and Jesus teaches on children and so every member of the family unit finds instruction from the Lord. The emphasis of today's passage really is that God has a plan for children. In terms of the kingdom of God, childhood is, is not a stage in waiting. Spiritual life and truth are not on hold until you reach adulthood. Children are precious and valuable In the sight of God, he entrusts parents first and foremost with the upbringing and the discipline and the nurturing of children in the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, which I take to mean don't lay on them burdens responsibilities that are not meant for them to bear. Don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I take that to mean that we are to correct our children in accordance with the scripture, that we are to be teaching the truths and the gospel of the scriptures to our children. Now, parents, that is our number one calling bringing our children up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Everything else, everything else comes second. And scripture is our sole guide and authority. Scripture is our sole guide and authority for all of life. But even in our parenting. And what we find in today's passage is, is a group of parents who are actually following that biblical calling. Verse 13 says, Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. Parents... Bring their children to Jesus. The implication of verse 13 is that these were parents. They desired to bring their children to Jesus, that Jesus might bless them. It says that he might, might lay his hands on them and pray. That, that he might bless them, that he might pray for them. That, that Jesus might do a work in their life. That he might bestow grace upon these children. So these parents understood the, the unsurpassed value of having their children introduced to Jesus. They brought their children to Jesus. They, they made time. They made a way. They, they sought Jesus out. They got their children to... They, they, it just didn't happen. They, they, this was a group of parents bringing a group of children to Jesus. There's really no greater act of love and obedience that can be pursued in raising children than than seeking the blessing of the Savior in their lives. Evidently, these parents knew who Jesus was. They knew something about Jesus, and they wanted to make sure their children did as well. They wanted their children exposed to the Lord, seeing the Lord, touched by the Lord, prayed for by the Lord. They had a priority in the the spiritual life, the spiritual well-being of their children. There's one thing we can understand about these parents that we also learn from Scripture, and that, that is that children's ministry belongs to us as parents. The ministry of children belong to the parents. And parents, we need to really we really need to hear and and understand and own this and celebrate this. And we'll get to the church's role in the lives of children Lord willing next week. We'll we'll look at the disciples, we'll look at verse 14 what Jesus says, we'll look at verse 15. We'll We'll look at all of that next week, and we'll discuss the the church's role. But for now, let's just let it sink in that God has given our children to us, and he calls us to bring them to Jesus. In fact, nowhere in the New Testament will you find instruction to the church on children's ministry. But you do find throughout Scripture God calling us as parents to be the primary disciples of our children, to be the primary gospel teachers of our children. So, for that, let's look at Deuteronomy 6. And we'll look at verses 4 through 7. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Not just teach them to your children, but teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them... When you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. In other words, in the home of believing parents should be found an ongoing discipleship of their children, exposing them to the gospel, teaching them the things of God. In all, in all seasons, in all times, in, in all places, there's this ongoing pattern that the things of God are being relayed to our children. Communicated. Illustrated. Talked about. Celebrated. Rejoiced in. Look at Psalm 78. Deuteronomy there, the, the, the main passage there, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's, that's what's communicated in, in raising our children, is loving God, loving God in these ways. Psalm 78, verses 5 through 8. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children now that's that's talking about deuteronomy 6 that the next generation might know them the children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so the way we raise our children filters down to the way they raise their children in in a gospel manner So that they should set their hope in God, love the Lord with all your heart and with all your... And forget not his works, tell all of these things to your children, but keep his commandments. That they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God... In other words the psalmist is saying if you want to if if you want to be, be actively preventing this massive rebellion of the lord that happened with our fathers teach your children teach your children That's really the the main calling for us as parents, if you, if you see things that are wrong in the world, things that, the things that are wrong in life, things, things that have been done wrong, said wrong, the Bible's answer for us as parents, teach your children the things of God, teach them about God, rejoice in God, love the Lord, communicate that in all kinds of ways. We've already touched on the passage in Ephesians 6, so you see Old Testament, you see New Testament, God's primary means for the salvation and discipleship of our children is is given to us. It's gifted to us. And can there be a greater joy for a parent than to lead their child to Christ and, and nurture that child in their walk with the Lord? On up until that child, again, going back to Psalm 78, that child is raising children to know the Lord. And walk with the Lord. That is our primary calling. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with parenting. There's a lot of things that we must do. There's a lot of responsibilities. There's a lot of ways in which we care for our children physically and mentally and emotionally and all kinds of ways. But The Bible's answer has always been to society, to the church, parents, raise your children in the Lord, which raises the question for us, doesn't it? How do we bring our children to Jesus? That is is the goal of gospel Christian parenting, that we are constantly in in a way, not a perfect way, none of us are perfect, we're imperfect people, we're imperfect parents. But the trajectory of our lives and the goal and and the, the striving of our lives as Christian parenting, bringing children to Jesus, how do we do that? Here's the main application point for us today. We bring our children to Jesus by explaining, illustrating, and displaying the gospel as our salvation and our life. That's the main point. How do we bring our children to Jesus? Here's the main idea. We bring our children to Jesus as parents by explaining, illustrating, and displaying the gospel as our salvation and our life. So under that umbrella, we're going... We're going to look at five practical ways and five personal ways. I know you see in your bulletin six, and it'll probably show on the screen six, but I've combined a couple of things, so it's five, keeping the number the same, keeps it simple. Five practical ways, five personal ways that we can pursue the goal. And and the goal, bringing our children to Jesus, how? Explaining, illustrating, displaying that the gospel is our salvation and our life so five practical ways of bringing our children to Jesus in that manner number one stories that explain the gospel and affirm biblical truth stories read to your children read with your children And when I say children, all through this message, of course, you you know I mean that age-appropriate. So they're they're little children and they're teenagers and you adjust according to ages. But there, there are books for children that explain the gospel, illustrate the gospel. A good website to go to to look up for any... Any segment is wtsbooks.org, w, wtsbooks.org. And you can look at age categories and there's a, they always have solid, good material. Devotions, even movies that you can use. You, you can explain, you can discuss what's going on and what the picture says and use examples. You can discuss sermons. You can discuss Sunday school lessons. You can discuss Awana verses. Not just make sure that they can recite the verse, but do they understand what the verse means? What what is that communicating about God, about sin, about Jesus, about us? The idea here is to utilize a variety of sources. Utilize everything, everything you can get your hands on to illustrate, to read. To discuss, look for ways to discuss, different ways to approach, different ways to show. Our testimonies, secondly, our testimonies. Find the right time and the occasion to share your testimony with your children. There are two types of testimonies, right? There's the testimony of how I came to faith in Christ, and our children need to hear. How did, what happened in mom and dad's life that they trusted Christ? When did they trust Christ? How did they trust Christ? For that, we got to go back and evaluate our own salvation experience, right? For that, we've got to make sure that we have indeed come to faith in Christ, and we've been converted, and we've been made new in Christ, and we have a testimony to share with our children. And if you look back in your life and you say, well, I'm getting ready to share my testimony with my child, but I really don't have one. I mean, I grew up in church... And the way I've understood it, I've always been a Christian, but I really don't have an occasion in my life in which I was converted, in which I was made new, in which I surrendered to Christ. Well, the best thing we can do as parents is come to Christ. Come to Christ. But there's another kind of testimony, a, a testimony that we can convey to our children and that's a testimony of how we are applying the gospel to our new life. That being a Christian is not just being born again, but it's a brand new life. It's a whole new life. It's a lifelong journey of pursuing and following the Lord. So how's our testimony now? I mean, I was born again when I was 15 years old. I'm 48 now. My, my, my testimony should have grown over the years. I should have some stories to tell of how the, the truths of Scripture were actually proven true. God proved his faithfulness in my life. Here's some ways that I applied the Scripture, applied the gospel. Here's some ways that I didn't. And boy, I wish I would have. Because I really went wrong here. Don't go wrong. Keep, up, keep applying the gospel. Keep applying the truths. That's what we want to be communicating to our children. Our testimonies. A third practical way is everyday illustrations. So we have stories, we have testimonies, and everyday illustrations. Looking for those everyday illustrations as occasions to illustrate the gospel, driving down the road or or or, or busy doing something, or, or or out in the yard, or what it, whatever it might be, looking for those opportunities to illustrate, to show the gospel in a way in which it pictures and so children can begin to grasp those concepts and ideas of truth and gospel and salvation. Springtime is a great illustration, isn't it? New life, sunshine, newness from life, from death. Butterflies, what a wonderful illustration of conversion, Right. The, same, the same thing, but radically different, radically new. Here's an occasion. When, when our children sin, when our children do wrong, when our children disobey, when they talk back, when our children sin, after we have corrected them for that, then we take the occasion to open up the gospel. To apply the gospel see that's why we need a savior that's why you need a savior that's why Jesus came here's another everyday illustration when we sin when we sin when we say the wrong thing when we do the wrong thing and we have to say hey dad was wrong dad I'm sorry I sinned I should not have said that I should not have reacted that way and that's why dad needs a savior that's why the gospel is such good news. That's why we have to look to the Lord and look to Jesus. And if daddy's going to get it right next time, I need the grace of God. I, I need to be in prayer. I need to be walking with the Lord. That, that's how we illustrate that this is our life. This is not just something that we just talk about and, and, and color pretty pictures on Sunday morning and then go home and never think about it again till next Sunday morning when we color another picture. Or when we suffer through another 45-minute sermon. This is our life. Christ is our life. Christ is our treasure. And this is how we live for him. And this is the difference that he makes in us. Church, everyday illustrations. Communion. When we take communion, what what a dynamic opportunity to illustrate and explain the gospel on the way home. Or around the lunch table. Baptism, another wonderful way. Weddings, another wonderful way to explain the gospel. Funerals, another way to explain the hope of the gospel and the resurrection and everlasting life and Christ dying for our sin. And everyday illustrations. So stories, our testimonies, everyday illustrations Again, these parents in verse 13, they they were intentional, they scheduled, they planned, they took their children to expose them to Jesus, to have the Lord bless them. How do we do that? Here's some practical ways. Fourth way, family worship. Family worship. Let's make sure, moms and dads, let's make sure that Sundays are not the only days of worship. That we are worshiping throughout the week with our families. To do that, you got to do a couple of things. Number one, you have to establish a, reg, a regular, ongoing time for family worship. It's just like your personal worship. You have to set aside a time. You have to sanctify it. You have to say nothing else interferes. You have to schedule it, plan for it, keep it separate, keep it sacred. And that's the same thing you have to do with family worship. Find a time, a regular time around the table... One, one morning during the week or one evening during the week or something, find a time that fits for your family, fits for your schedule, and make it sacred. Nothing else interferes. Nothing else is going to happen. This is when we sit around God's Word as a family and we worship. Why? Because the gospel is our life. Because Christ is our treasure. Everything else comes second. So schedule that time, find the right time and keep it simple. Keep it simple. This is what we do. We keep it very simple. We we read a portion of scripture, explain it, apply it. So we talk about it. We read a portion, we explain what's what's being said here and how does that apply to our lives? How do we do that? How do we follow that? What would that look like? And then pray together. Pray for others and pray for one another. There's hardly anything more powerful than that, parents, than to sit around with your children and pray for one another. Hear them pray for you. You'll learn a lot about what they, how they see you when they start praying for you. Lord, please help, Dad. they'll learn a lot about you and they'll learn a lot about the gospel and how you pray for them they'll learn a lot about what's most important in the world about how you, when they hear you pray so stories testimonies everyday illustrations family worship and then the fifth thing is church and I'm glad you're here to hear me talk about this prioritize and participate in the life of a gospel-saturated local church. I heard someone say recently, don't go to the church closest to your house, go to the church closest to Scripture. And I pray we are one of those and or becoming one of those. No church is perfect. But we've gotten to a place in our culture that we live as if, as though we are quite comfortable in our "quote unquote" Christianity without the church, and as if the church in, in every little aspect and component should should be exactly and precisely to our liking. And if it's not, then then we'll move on, or, or we just won't go. We live in a way in which church has taken more than a back seat. We live in that kind of society. We live in that kind of world, and it, uh, unless God grants revival, and He always can, and we pray that He will, it's the the it's not the the switch is not going to flip. The trajectory is going to remain the same, apart from a remarkable move of God. And I get why people give up on church. It's it's full of sinners. You get a bunch of sinners. In the same place at the same time, and things don't always work well, things don't always go well. We have our clicks, we have our quirks, we have our differences. There are things here at Grassy Pond that you don't prefer. That's not to your liking, that's not to your opinion. Sometimes we don't get along. There's all kinds of distractions. There's, there's a thousand other things to do at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. A thousand. And I think there's a million at 6 o'clock on Sunday night. There's all kinds of distractions. But when we speak of evangelizing the world, and when we speak of growing in the grace of God, and when we speak of being rooted and grounded in the truth, the local church is still God's plan A. And He does not have a plan B. There is no plan B. He has not called the nonprofit organization. To fulfill the role of the church, he hasn't called the family to fulfill the role of the church. He's called the family and he's called the church. You've heard the saying, when you find the perfect church, don't join it. You'll mess it up. Right? The truth is there is no perfect church. The church is made up of imperfect people led by imperfect pastors but who are gathered and who exist because of a perfect Savior, because of a perfect book, and because of a perfect eternal life that is ours in Him. Again, the gospel is our salvation, and it's our life. It's absolutely everything. Church is messy at times, But it's when we turn to God in the mess and follow the Lord that we grow and we display the gospel. We don't display the gospel when church is secondary and when we leave it or neglect it or get along without it. It's still God's people. It's still Christ's bride. The church is where truth is affirmed. There's no greater thing to do as parents. If you're teaching your children the truth, where else are you going to take your children where the truth of Scripture is going to be affirmed and reaffirmed in their lives? Again, it's got to be a gospel-loving church. The gospel is proclaimed in the local church. Believers are encouraged and strengthened in the Lord, in the local church. Five practical ways of bringing our children to Jesus. Now here are five personal ways. So really, really examining mom and dad, really examining our own hearts and, and our own ways, five personal ways to bring our children to to Jesus. Number one, it begins with our own heart and life. Children's ministry begins with the parents. The children in verse 13 didn't just show up. They didn't organize a field trip to Jesus. It begins in our own heart and our in our life. Is Christ our greatest treasure? Is there sufficient evidence in our lives that that our children know we treasure Christ above all? And children can spot hypocrisy a mile away, can't everything, or if he's simply an add-on something somewhere down the line of our loves. Is Christ our treasure or nothing more than an admission ticket? It begins in our own hearts and lives, bringing our children to Jesus. The first thing they must see is that we, we are at the feet of Jesus. We're, he's the greatest treasure in the universe. We're so prone to place other things in people, foremost in our hearts, where, where only Christ can reign. The heart, the fallen heart, the sinful heart is, is literally an idol factory. We are constantly producing and thinking and being lured by and distracted by things that take our, the priority, the first and foremost priority of our heart and our affection away from the Lord. As parents, we love our children. We would do anything we could for them. But if we're not careful, we can easily place them in our hearts where only Christ should reside. Our children can become our idols very easily. We can become to live life, we can come to live life for them rather than for Christ. We begin, we begin to center the home around them rather than Christ. It's so easy to do as parents. We love them. We want the best for them. We want to do for them. And on and on and on until all of a sudden, for them becomes the paradigm for everything instead of Christ. When we do that, parents, that's not love. We think that's love. It feels like that's love. It seems to be love. But it's not in their best interest. It's certainly not in ours when children become our idols. Listen to this statement. When we love Christ most, we love them best. When we love Christ most, we love them best what i mean by that is for now and for eternity it begins with our own heart and life children's ministry begins right in the heart of mom and dad what is our priority what is our desire for our children for these parents they wanted them at the feet of jesus Second thing is disciplining our children in the Lord. Now, that's not a common topic at all, is it? We don't want to address that. We don't want to talk about it. But as as Christian parents, as believing parents, as gospel-driven parents following the Scripture, God has spoken. We don't correct our children and admonish our children and train our children according to the world's philosophy. Or according to the world's psychology. We're not training them up to think like the world. We're raising them up to see the world through the lens of Scripture. We correct and discipline our children according to Christ, according to Scripture. If a child never hears the words, that's wrong, that's sin... If there are no real consequences for sinful behavior, not only have we not prepared our children for life, but far worse, we haven't prepared them for salvation. How do we bring our children to Jesus? Disciplining them in the Lord, it's hard. No no parent wants to say no and no parent wants to correct their child. it's not easy it's not fun but gospel driven parenting enables our children to come to a place of understanding in their life that they feel deeply that they need a savior they don't always get it right they can't always get it right they shouldn't have thought that way what's that that moral line in their conscience the christian parent affirms in the disciplining of that child but when we raise our children to believe that they are the center of the universe and they can do no wrong and and they always have a good reason why they did that so it's okay they they won't need the bible when they grow up they won't need the bible they won't need church worst of all they won't need jesus One thing we must keep in mind, parents, when we correct our children, always explain the reason, always give the reason why behavior is either acceptable or unacceptable. In other words, we have to take them to Scripture. We have to take them to the gospel. We have to take them to the Creator, to the Savior. We must be careful not to unknowingly communicate that being a Christian is nothing more than being moral. So we can't just say, you shouldn't do that or you should do this. We've got to explain why. From the scripture. Why is it that God says this? Why is God like this? Christianity is more than moralism, so we've got to communicate that. We also have to be careful that we're not simply providing them a a list of rules, a legalistic fundamentalism approach. That's not Christianity, just keeping these rules and not doing this and doing this. But explaining to them the reason why we are adhering to God's word is because he has the words of life. God's words are the path to life and salvation. And any other way is sin and death and destruction. So there's our own heart, there's the way we discipline our children. Third is the worship of the Lord how we worship. As parents, how do we worship? There's a couple of things here I just want to ask us. Do our children see us worship at home? Is the gospel our life in such a way that a day doesn't go by until we've spent time with our father? And our children have noticed that. Our children see that. Dad spends time with Jesus a lot. Mom spends time with Jesus a lot why do they do that are they trying to check off a box are they trying to keep a list of do's and don'ts or is it evident that they do that because they're in love with jesus they're they're in love with their heavenly father do our children hear us pray do our children see us pray how do we worship do we worship is the gospel our life is christ our treasure how do we worship do our children see us worship at home secondly how about our worship at church how about our worship at church do we sing the truths of god from our hearts or do we just kind of mumble through Does it mean everything, or is it just something you do in the order of service? Do we delight and feast on His Word, or or do we eagerly wait to leave? Is it time to get out of here? How 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 much longer is He going to go today? I got things to do. How do we worship? The way we worship communicates loudly where Christ is in our affections. You worship the things that you love, period. You worship the things that you love. How do we worship the Lord? Fourth thing. I touched on this a little bit earlier, but confession and repentance in our own lives what i mean by that is nothing really demonstrates the gospel in our own lives quite like being willing to confess and repent when we are wrong when we sin when our children observe that we are quick to repent of our own wrongdoing quick to quick to acknowledge hey i shouldn't have said that i'm sorry that was wrong that was sinful they are seeing that this new life in christ in action It's not just words, but it's actually something that Dad is applying, that that Mom is striving for. That they are they are striving to please the Lord. Last thing, fifth thing. Here's just a, a few questions, just to leave us with as parents. How do we bring our children to Jesus? Three questions here. What has our faith in Christ cost us? You see, I don't know of anything that can communicate to our children how much Christ is our treasure. Then if he really is our treasure, somewhere along the way, it's going to cost us something. There's going to be a price to pay. Jesus clearly taught it. The New Testament clearly teaches it. And when our children see that it cost us something, but that's okay because those, those other things are not our treasure... Christ is our children know by the way our children know what we are choosing no matter how we try to explain it away or justify it or rationalize it or prop it up again children see through the hypocrisy and the smokescreen and the only way they'll go along with it is because they know they'll get by with it too Second question Do we show Christ as our treasure when we suffer? When we suffer, do we suffer well? We're all going to suffer at some level in this life. Which brings to the third question What will our children re- remember most about us? What will our children remember most about us? Is it that we love the Lord? That's got to be our goal as gospel parents. Whatever else is about my life, that the number one thing that my children will remember when I'm gone, if I'm gone tomorrow or 20 years from now, when I'm gone, that my children remember he loved the Lord. He loved the Lord. I pray that's what they remember. I better be striving that that's what they remember. I hope they can say more than, well, he was a good man. He liked to joke, he liked to work hard, he made sure he provided for his family. All those things are good, but did he love the Lord? Concluding thought. Our text is about children, but it begins with us as parents. Children's ministry begins with us. If we desire our children to know Christ, love Christ, follow Christ, we bring them to Jesus through our own words and actions, explaining, illustrating, and displaying that the gospel is our salvation and our life. We are their primary disciples. We are either bringing our children to Jesus or to the world or to themselves. So watching over their hearts and souls really begins by watching over our hearts None of us are perfect. All of us have room to grow. All of us. I'm a parent. All of us have room to grow. None of us are perfect. So what is the trajectory and the direction of our lives? Are we parenting a gospel children's ministry? Let's pray. Father, would you call us as moms and dads to yourself today? Renew us and revive us. Some of us may need to be reborn. But prepare us, Father, and make us gospel moms and dads that live the gospel, love the gospel, treasure the gospel, and thereby explain it and illustrate it and display it. We all have room to grow places to look after, things to give attention to. But it begins with us being consumed with Christ and everything else. It'll just be beating the air if we're trying to do all this just to try to do it if we don't first and foremost in our own hearts and lives love the Lord. So, Lord, would you do that great work first and foremost in us, that miraculous work in our own hearts filling us with the love of Christ and let that be the driving force and the energy and the determination to live out our lives as moms and dads with a gospel children's ministry at home. Revive us, O Lord. Revive us. We ask it in Christ's name. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens, pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons, read blogs, and learn more about the missions branch, P67 missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.